to everybody out there. This is We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I shall be your host for this evening. Tonight is a it's a work in progress edition of the show, which as people who have listened before or haven't listened before, this is where we take a wonderful person from the board gaming industry and I attempt to sound intelligent by having a conversation with them. Now, joining me tonight is a gentleman by the name of Brad Talton Jr., who is from Level 99 Games. And you have maybe heard on previous episodes myself and Colin wax lyrical about a certain game that Level 99 Games make, which is Pixel Tactics, which we love. So, good evening, Brad. Thank you very much for coming along. Good evening. Thanks for having me. That's good. And how are you this evening? Are you well? Um... Well, I'm I'm doing well. It's only afternoon here in Albuquerque, New Mexico, oh, where our cool. Level 99 Games corporate headquarters is stationed, um, which is my home office mm. in my uh, in my uh, in my garage. So uh, <laughs> we're not a, we're not as big as you might think. Um, you know, this is a, a relatively small operation. Um, you know, me, um, our graphic designer, our two uh, artists, two programmers that work remotely. Mm-hmm. Um, but we uh, we get along. We make a few cool games that we uh, that we like to we like to think they're pretty cool. Oh, cool! So um, there's always seems to be some kind of continual activity going on with kind of level ninety nine. Um, if it's not something to do with BattleCon, there's always seems to be a little bit of a connection with Pixel Tactics and stuff like that. But what we all like to do, at we're not wizards, is we like to kind of. Go back into the past and find out a little bit more about how you got how you got into the hobby in the first place, and then take a look at the present, and then jump into the future to see if there's anything else that could be on the horizon that, that people would like and love and uh, sell a major or, sell a major organ for. So, how, how did you um, how did you get into the hobby first of all? Well, I uh, this may be relevant because I always did want to be a wizard, but I uh, I didn't want to be a wizard, <laughs> so I went for the next best thing and uh, and decided to be a board game designer. Um, but uh, yeah, I've been doing I've been doing board game design about as long as I can remember. Um, my uh, I used I was I grew up with video games as a kid, and I got my Game Boy and my NES, and eventually you know um, I got super a Super Nintendo and. Um, I always wanted more games because I always wanted whatever the latest game was in Nintendo Power. Uh, I was definitely a n- Nintendo kid. And um, what was your parents... fa- what was your favorite game yeah. on the Super Nintendo? Oh, uh, Super Nintendo probably uh, Chrono Trigger is my the game I played. I sunk the most hours into, followed by Secret of Mana. Yeah, and then maybe Final Fantasy VI, which was three back then, but now it's six apparently. Yeah. <laughs> Did I mean I I was that generation as well. I can't. I can't even begin to think the number of hours I should have been outside playing something when I was inside kind of playing Super Nintendo and especially yeah. Secret of Mana. It was a glorious, oh, yeah. glorious, glorious game. So it was good. Well, um, but yeah, when I whenever I want a new game and my uh, and my parents did not feel like buying it for me because they were like sixty dollars back then as they yeah. are now. Yeah. Um, they uh, they would say, "Why don't you just make your own?" and uh, and you know, I had paper and colored pencils and you know tokens and punch boards, and they'd give me all the art supplies I wanted. So I was like, fine, I'll just make a make a board game. And so I'd make board game versions of my of the video games that I wished I had, and um, you know, just by reading the descriptions in the magazines and figuring out how the game worked, I would make a board game of it. And uh, and then my parents would play these with me, and uh, so I kind of got a taste of you know of game design and especially of like 
translational game design of taking a concept and moving it from a digital space to an analog space um, very early on. And I've been so, doing that for most of my life. So your first kind of what kind of, what kind of games did you make then? Have you got have you still got them? Are they still? I mean, are they games that you've gone back to again and again and kind of remade? Or I mean, there's a one a that couple. stands out, yeah. A couple. Um, some of my really good ones. I had a uh, a Pokemon legacy style game i guess is the way to say it like because your your pokemon got stronger as you played the the game by like uh-huh. marking on the cards like i like if you you know if you uh if you leveled them up then you know we'd check off a few more boxes and i got extra hit points um and this was back in the 90s when i did this so it was, it was a little, what, like 93 or so when the when before the game boy game came out all right okay um and uh and but nobody wanted to play it because after you played it ten times, you know your Pokemon were, were so strong that uh, that you could beat anybody who hadn't played it already, <laughs> and the, the conclusion was foregone. You were just grinding at that point, which I guess was also true to the uh, so you were like the video the, game. You were like the first gym leader then. <laughs> I guess Pretty so. Much. I didn't play. I didn't think it'd be fair for me to play. Yeah. So I had like some some trainer Pokemon that you could fight against because I didn't mind losing. I just wanted to GM it for people. Did you, um, um, you know. did you, how, what did you do with the art? Did you hand draw all the art or did you use? I, I would hand draw every card in the game. They were all done oh, really? with index cards. Yeah. I had a Bomberman game that went over pretty well. I might remake that someday. Um, Please. Yeah. <laughs> I had, um, I had a uh, GoldenEye you... 007 board game. That one didn't turn out so well. Well, I mean, uh, one of these games that hasn't aged, because if you look at GoldenEye nowadays, it's a bit... Uh... <laughs> well, but apparently, yeah. if you get it working on a PC through emulation, it runs like an absolute beast, and it's really, really fun to play with mouse controls. I mean, it's, it's, a, great, it's a great game. It's oh, a yeah. It's a great game. Um, it, was always, it was always pretty great. Um, I mean, the graphics don't quite stand up, but the gameplay was good back then. It's probably still good now. Did you, um, did you play... Was it... Um, did you play? Was it the Super Bomberman? Then was that where um, the Bomberman played, influence came from? I played Atomic Bomberman, which was the PC version. Oh, okay, um, cool. So, but I also played sixty four, and that was a lot of fun. And what did um, the um, what the board game that you did? Because I was a big Bomberman fan. I remember setting the having the multiplayer game and setting the bombs to infinite and setting the size of the explosions to infinite. And then just seeing how long you would last before you got destroyed, so oh, which yeah, is yeah. milliseconds. Yeah, it was always um, it was always a uh, like that that arena type competition, you know, uh-huh. not the uh, the story based Bombermans or the puzzle based ones, but it oh, was always yeah. player versus player was the one that I I did, and I had all these like cool bombs like ice bombs and you know poison bombs that leave a, cl- a persistent cloud on the field, or you know like. Um, other all sorts of other things i can't remember i think there was like a like a black hole bomb that would suck you in every turn as it was t- as the fuse was ticking down stuff like that like crazy stuff that you uh you <laughs> probably wouldn't amazing. get in a video game but i always like to you know to add an extra my extra two cents to the game's concept so, so do you, do you yeah. in the case of ideas have you just got to look through the kind of the back catalog of your mind and say well let's go and do this next so let's go and do that next kind of thing because you well, said that's I, some imagination yeah. to come up with all the things that you've had so f- when you were younger anyway well i think that everything I, th- I think everything to some extent is you know is a revision of other ideas or is a, a rehash of other ideas and mm. i think the more the more media you absorb and the more games you play and the more um that you that you take in you know the more you'll be able to create and mm. so you know like uh like the idea for for an ice bomb i think an ice bomb exists in bottom 64 um 
I don't know about a, a black hole bomb, but we know what a black hole is, and we know what a bomb is, and it seems interesting to seems combine the two. So just, there you go. Yeah, that seems like a natural progression. I mean, yeah. why not? Why not? So you just got to soak up as much as you can of everything. So was there only ever one... I take it there was only one copy of the Bomberman game, one copy of the Pokemon game. You didn't kind of make lots and no, lots of these little I, ones. I did not make a, a whole bunch. I made enough to play with my friends or my parents, whoever was playing. And, uh-huh. um, you know, because I was only like, you know, 8, 12, <laughs> like those, you know, those kind of ages. And so I didn't really, I didn't, there was no, I had no commercial ambition for this thing. I just wanted to play a game with, with my parents or my siblings or my friends. Uh-huh. And so there's like there's one one copy of each of these, and they're sitting up in my, my mom's attic somewhere. So they so they're still they still exist. Hopefully, hopefully, I believe they still exist. That'd be so cool. <laughs> she yeah, says someday she'll sell them and make a million dollars. I don't know about that. I think there would be people, one hopes. I don't know. I think there would be people out there that would love to just see kind of what the kind of the the eight or twelve year old Brad's the way his mind works because. I mean, um, did you? I mean, is that the trend that continued then as you got older, or did you start to move into kind of like the normal, well, you would say the kind of the more commercially available cardboard? I mean, where was you? Where did your journey go yeah. after that? Well, I got um, in high school. I got into Yu-Gi-Oh and Magic: The Gathering, and so I re- I learned what CCGs were, and mm-hmm. then I said, oh well, I can, you know, uh, I can make one of these, and so I made a couple CCGs back in my high school days. Uh-huh. And that was the mostly the kind of game I made because I had friends that played CCGs, and so I said, uh-huh. "Well, you know, like it's, instead of spending three dollars on a pack of cards, I'll spend one dollar and print you a a pack of cards at Office Max, and we can then play, you know, this <laughs> this CCG that I've made with all of our favorite characters from TV or anime or whatever." And uh, and we did that, and that was a lot of fun. So um, what was this? What was the theme yeah. then? I mean, what kind of stuff did you? Oh, do? it was we were we were all big uh, anime nerds in high school, and so it was all of our favorite animations. Um, that we were watching at the time and you know everybody had their own favorite and so they wanted a deck based around their their favorite characters and would you would you print them out and then would you print them out or was it again was it were you still doing hand drawn stuff by that time i was i i had gotten a copy of uh photoshop and i was able to make the cards and print them out um because with a ccg with 60 cards you know you can't uh you can't hand draw. <laughs> no. i, I couldn't hand draw all that you know the pokemon guys were like one card and Bomberman, you know well i was a kid i had a lot of time but in high school you know i need nah. to uh, i need to mass produce so exactly to, to you, need to, you needed to upscale the operation <laughs> well and also you wanted to put the actual art from your shows on there too and yeah. you can't do that by hand um so so yeah so I, I progressed to that when i got to college i learned that there was actually a hobby board and card game industry like i didn't realize there were games like settlers of Catan or um you know like uh like flux or arkham horror or any of that stuff i didn't learn about that stuff until i was you know like 18 19 in college at my college game club and then i realized oh there's like people who do you know for a living what i've been doing for fun all my childhood and then <laughs> I, I was like, maybe, you know, I'd really like to do this for a living. Maybe I can, I can find my way into this industry somehow. That's absolutely, that's just, to be kind of like already doing it and then not to be aware that there was, there was a kind it of, was, a it was kind of strange. It, it was kind of wild. Like, like when I, when I learned that I was, I, it was, it was a bit, bit uh, baffling that, uh, that, that, um, you know, to, to see something that was, that was so close to what you were already doing. So, but, um, yeah. so did you did you then spend some time when you got to college? Um, did you get into the harder cardboard then? 
<laughs> like a lot yeah. of kids did. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I played, I, I started I started with board games, and I think yeah. uh, the first game I got was um, Cannibal Pygmies in the Jungle of Doom, one of the Z-Man B-movie card games. All right, okay, uh, yeah. And shortly after that, Dominion came out, um, shortly after I got into the hobby. And then uh, I got Small World. Small um, so I started getting into some of the, the more gateway type of, uh, of games. Uh-huh. And then I, I started learning about, you know, mechanics and, um, and genres and, you know, Euro versus Ameritrash and all these kind of different uh, conventions that we, you know, these constructs that we have in the uh, board game world. Um, did the and, did the creation continue then? I mean, now that you're exposed to like all these other things that you could be doing, were you like was oh, your yeah. mind completely blown as to what you could be doing there? Yeah, I started working on well, I started working on card games. Um, I did I did another CCG in mm. college, um, and uh, but um, I didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of things. So I wanted to get into video games. That was my that was what I went to college to try and do was to do video games, and I got a CS degree. Uh-huh. And um, and I started working um, with a contractor ship doing iOS development, and um, we were supposed to branch into games, and I was going to be the head of their their games department. But then it was 2008, and the uh, the market crash happened, and so my company had to cut like everyone. Uh, oh, wow. you know, like yeah, like three quarters of the staff were gone, um, and uh, and our our not yet formed games department was part of that. So I um, I was out of there. And then, um, so I started doing independent work and then while I was doing that, I, um, I found out like the Kickstarter revolution happened and I saw imminent domain on Kickstarter. And then I was thinking, well, I could do that. And the game I was working on at the time was Battlecon. And so I fixed up Battlecon. I got, you know, a couple of different independent artists that I knew friends from high school and college to, uh, to draw me some characters and then we uh we put it up on kickstarter and the rest is history this is just it's really do you know what the strange thing is if you'd been born five years earlier or potentially five years later you might have missed where you are kind of thing well yeah i mean we're all there's some some degree of you know the combination of environment and you know and everything i um but yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I, I certainly would be somewhere, else, someone else, and somewhere else if I was raised differently. Yeah, sure. I suppose so. But yeah, yeah I, sure. I mean, it just makes this just really interesting. That, I mean, how long was Battlecon sitting in your head before it reached a kind of a? I mean, well, how long were you working on it for before it was? I had there? wanted to do. <clears throat> I wanted to do a fighting board game since college, mm. um, but the mechanics had not really fallen into place. Um, and there was one day when I was playing uh, Blaze Blue, which is a fighting game. Oh, the yeah. System works. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was playing that, and I thought, you know, like all the characters have their heavy punch, and all the characters have their light punch and their throw, but they all have kind of different ranges and different power and different priority on these things. Um, why don't I just separate those two elements, you know, separate those two elements apart, the basic attack and then the, the style of attack? Hmm. Um, and make those two separate parts, and that's when the when Battlecom all clicked together for me. Um, and then the the unique abilities that characters had were inspired by the drive uh, mechanic in Blaze Blue, where everybody has their own different sort of special weapon. And so uh, the rest from there was uh, you know was just trial and error, working out how the stat matrix was going to work and all that sort of stuff. So as a I guess for those people that haven't 
you know, they might have heard, they've probably heard, they've heard of us talking about Pixel Tactics, but they've maybe not stepped into BattleCon. What what would you say, how would you describe it to people? You said it's, you know, it's a card-based fighting game? I mean, it's a, it's a card-based fighting game. I would actually, for the gamers out there, I would liken it more to the um, the fighting fantasy battle books, the, um, the or like Ace of Aces, the Alpha right. Lenardi games, where... Uh-huh. Um, you know, you have a book full of different moves, and you use a move, and your opponent uses the move, and then you compare how that changes your situation. I know, are you familiar with these, the old like dogfighting game books that they? Well, have? it's uh, a, yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's probably even for the guys out there, it's worthwhile kind of ex- explain. They basically you, you select the move, you each sit there and go right. I'm going to use this move. They say they're going to move that move, and then you see kind of what have what kind of effect that has. It does it have an effect on your different character stats, or how does that work? Yeah, it'll it may affect your stats. Like if say we're we're two planes and we're flying directly at each other. Yeah. And you can choose whether to fly straight, to go up, to go down, to mm-hmm. do a U-turn, a barrel roll, you know, um, all those things. So say I select a maneuver, fly straight on, mm-hmm. and you select a maneuver which is, you know, um like uh like like a I don't know. Um yeah, like a bank left. Yeah. So I would fly straight, you would bank left, and suddenly now our situation is that we're flying side to side. And then we yeah. can select another move and so forth until we get to a position where we can start shooting at each other. And your your the goal of the game is to get the nose of your plane facing the body of your opponent's plane. Uh-huh. And as soon as you do, you do some damage to them. And if you do enough damage, then you, you take them out. Take them out, yeah. yeah. Okay. And the position of the body that you can look at is going to determine how much damage you do. If you can look at them right from the top down, you have a huge, you know, shot spread, so you do more damage. If you're looking at them from, you know, like a three quarters tail view, you don't have quite as much to hit. And if you're looking at them straight from the tail, um, you know, they definitely can't shoot you, but you don't have any, you don't have a very big hitbox either. Yeah. Okay. Uh, okay. There's a lot of little things to it, and so what BattleCon does is it takes that matrix of resolution and it kind of resolves it all in a in an automated way in a um a way that's not bounded by um by the math of the game so in the old in these old battle books you had a big grid of how the moves interact with each other and each yeah. move interact with each other move in some specific way and battlecon automates that so that you don't have to do references reference charts so is this is this to make it because obviously if it's a fighting game you want it to be fast moving um mm-hmm. So you want to strip out, I guess you want to strip out as much of the stuff that can slow kind of everything down. Um, yeah, and I mean, I, I think that, I, you know, well, I, I thought of Battlecon more as a fighting game when I made it, but now when I approach it, I think of it more as a, like a, um, a general sort of martial arts dueling game and not so much, it's not trying to really replicate the arcade fighting action. It's more trying to replicate a wide variety of different fighting styles and different, different toolkits and stuff like that. So I think it's more about the variety. And then with Exceed, we actually tried to capture the speed of the arcade fighting with that game, which okay. is kind of, you know, our, our latest fighting game. But they have a they have a, a okay. different goal to each one of them. So how does um how would you describe Exceed then? I mean this oh, well I mean one of the things we like to do at We're Not Wizards is just to for people that haven't heard of you know, people that haven't heard of BattleCon or people that haven't heard of Exceed, I'd like them to have a, you know, just get a, an overview of, of what they can expect and maybe, you know, entice them to, to pick them up. Because we, we like to kind of, I guess, get as many people involved in the in the game, in the kind of the, the board game hobby as possible. So it's, this is why we kind of like speaking to the creators themselves, because it's, it's kind of different reading 
the kind of the sales pitch that you, the blurb that you would get on the back of the box compared to hearing kind of like the actual directly from the the passion of the of the creator. We said, <clears throat> sorry, you said that you you know you were looking to to kind of speeding up the game with Exceed. So how does that play differently then? So with uh, with Battle Kong, what we found was that the um, that it simulated this this battle pretty easily, and you um, you have this wide variety of moves, but it's very calculated, very precise. It's almost like chess in the way that you can see all your opponent's possibilities, and you have to choose the best of your options based on what their best option is, and vice versa. And the real time nature, or the simultaneous selection nature, of that complicates things even more. So it's a very cerebral sort of game. Um, and when I and I I played it and I enjoyed it, but what I really wanted to get was a game that would capture the kind of fast-paced arcade fighter feel, where you're flying around doing all these moves as quickly as possible. And so I needed a game that was no that was not full information. Um, and so we, with that in mind, we created Exceed. Um, and Exceed is sort of like a um, it it feels more like a, a CCG. So if you're from the CCG background, yeah. everything will feel really familiar. You have a deck to draw from. You have mm. discard pile. You have a hand. You have some hand management. Mm-hmm. You take turns back and forth. So the players pass their priority back and forth. Um, and uh, there's a lot of different things you can do each turn, but they're all very simple and very quick. And so you take a turn. You're done. Your opponent takes a turn. Done back and forth until one of you decides to play a strike. And then there's that critical moment of you know of impact where the two attacks meet, and then you go back to this back and forth game that's really fast paced, and so you don't have to do a lot of really heavy thinking. It's more about analyzing what's advantageous in the situation you're in and what the odds you think that your opponent has something to beat you and will play the thing that beats you, and vice versa. So there's a little bit of counterplay, but it's much more about your um you know your type a your direct uh you know what's my what's my first order strategy um much less than what's my third order strategy um which is more how battlecon plays so if you're more of a board game chess person battlecon if you're more of a ccg -er, then exceed and how much i mean how much playtesting do you go through i mean how are you at the point where there's no point in you playing kind of exceed because you're just the best at it or I mean how much playtesting do you have to do to get this kind of balanced or is it something that's continually needing to kind of maybe be you consider tweaking or you're always looking at revisions or you know are there things that you would even change now or are you continuing to change about the system because I noticed that Battlecon um, you there's been expand you know new expansions been coming out for that um I mean, is it? Yeah, we we do we do. I mean, balance is kind of a dialogue with the fans, and yeah. you have to. Um, first of all, there's a different there's a very different set of skills you need for balancing versus design. Yeah, and there's another different set of skills you need for balancing versus mastery. Mm. And so um, the uh, the kind of the the players we we consult our you know our lead tournament players when we do a new battlecon or an exceed set. Yeah, and try to get the best, uh, you know, the best uh, results from them to say like, is this is this going to play right? Is this fun to play? Is this balanced to play? Um, but internally, when I'm developing, I'm looking for is this fun to play? Is this interesting to play? Does it bring something new to the game? Mm-hmm. And then if all those are yes, then we we go to to balancing because you can generally balance anything, but it's no it's no good to balance something that's not fun to start with. No, no. So 
so yes, yeah, so we do the design, then we go to the like the balancing, and um, and that kind of goes back and forth because you you release a product and then you find okay this character is a little too strong or a little too weak, and as your meta solidifies, the strong characters you know continually rise further and further to the top, and the weak characters push further and further to the bottom. Yeah, and so you you have to either redesign or deprecate your characters. So. For example, like with Exceed, we have licensed sets, and so we probably are not going to rebalance those characters. We're just going to rotate them out with a separation okay. type mechanic. But with okay. Battlecon, it's a perennial thing. Battlecon War will probably always be in print. Devastation will probably always be in print. And so uh, we keep revising those characters when we come out with a new edition. Do you ever get kind of nerf rage then? <laughs> because, I mean, um, it's something you see a lot in video games. I mean, you see it um, yeah. every time something changes in, um, like, say, Overwatch or something. Why did you change this character, guy? Why didn't you change this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we certainly we certainly do, but our, our fans are pretty close-knit, and so they mm. know when something is too strong. I don't think anybody would say, you know, like, Eric is known to be the most powerful character in Battlecon, and I don't think anybody would say, say, no, don't nerf Eric, he's my favorite, because he's been banned in tournaments forever. I think people would like to play him again. You know. Um, also, we're on a much we're on a much slower scale than yeah. video games. Like a, a a patch for a board game is probably going to be with the edition change, which is usually every two to three years. Once yeah. we still out of a print run, we do the new print run and the new edition. Yeah. So it's um it's it's not very uh, it's not very tough. The tough part of it is conversions because uh, or is conversion kits because. You know, you can't just upload a new patch to somebody who. No, has a board no. Game. You I know you've to got to have people. I guess you've got to have people's buy-in, and all it takes is somebody to say, "Well, we're not, we're not interested in doing this. We don't, we don't like it." And yeah, I mean, I must be if you're if you're always like pushing towards having something that you're kind of wanting to change on a regular basis. It's it kind of must move like at a much slower place than the as I say the normal kind of as you were quite rightly saying. You can't just patch it up, stick a patch out, and then let let people have to deal with the changes in it. It can be obviously changes to, to how people play in tournaments and stuff like that as well. I have a question for you though, because I think mm-hmm. I mentioned in I mentioned in the green room our fabulous green room which is still still beige, but now has uh, and still has Spider Man on the wall, but now has a picture of the uh, Fourth Road Bridge which I mentioned uh, on our previous episode. Um, the my well, my good friend Nikki um, was asking a question, and Nikki was dying to speak to you tonight, but because she is also on the other side of the world and because of work commitments, she couldn't jump on and say hello. But she asked the question with regards to BattleCon Are there any tactics? Now, I'm not putting any pressure on you, Brad, but um, she wants to kick her brother's ass up and down. <laughs> up and down the living oh, okay. room. Okay. So. <laughs> Are there any killer tactics you think she could, can, you know? And uh, and if you're mm. if you're Nikki's brother, you're not allowed to listen to this. So <laughs> I see. Well, you know, we um, I, I feel I feel like we, we spend we spend a lot of time and energy to make sure that the answer to that question is no. But um, <laughs> the uh, what I would say is um, is to keep uh, you know keep uh, changing up your play method try different things like um if you play with for example like the strikers variant or some of the arenas or some mm-hmm. of the um the uh what's the word um like some of the uh armory 
uh, variants. Like give yeah. yourself some new things to play with, with in the in all the little expansions and with uh, Devastation had a lot of these in the box. Um, then you can keep things moving and you can keep your opponent from you know knowing what you are because a lot of times you fall into this uh, you know into a meta where I have my best two or three characters, your opponent has their best two or three characters, and you kind of know all the matchups. Yeah. And so if you want to, if you want to, you know, um, mix that up, then use the variants, and then you don't have to, you don't have to get rid of your favorite character. You can just see them in a new light. So there you go, straight from. I'm not going to say horse's mouth because that sounds rude. That's like me saying, <laughs> <laughs> "Hey, here's Brad Talton. He's got a horse for a mouth." Um, it's the first time I've been accused of, of of having horse face. I guess. <laughs> I I don't know if that's a thing or not. I know, I know that could sound so bad. It's like all of a sudden, hey, Brad, Brad's, I'm sorry, Brad's gone. Brad Brad hung up the call. (laughs) I'm sorry, the other person has disconnected the call after you said he had equine features. (laughs) Um, When you play Battlecon, and because it's a fighting game, and you, I mean, are you a bit of a video game kind of fighting fan then you mentioned blaze blue have you kept up with like your street fighters and other things of this world i haven't played as much recently as i did way back when i was developing battlecon uh mostly i play whatever is going to i try and play whatever is going to help inspire me on what i'm working on currently Mm. so like when millennium blades was in progress i played a lot of hearthstone i played magic the gathering Mm. Um, i played a lot of the old CCGs that I played back in high school to kind of get back into the, the mindset of that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with the, the current game I'm working on, the current large game I'm working on is called Seventh Cross, and it's sort of a roguelike monster hunter adventure game where you're all um, these exorcists going out and hunting monsters in this Castlevania-style world. And so for that, I'm playing a lot of Castlevania, a lot of Bloodborne, <laughs> Dark Souls, um, <laughs> you know, a bunch of roguelikes, you know, uh, Darkest Dungeon, uh, Dungeons of Dreadmore, Dungeons of Doom. Um, these sound very similar, but they they're actually very different games. Um, but you get the idea. I, I try and Darkest Dungeon play... is just what? Yeah. What do you think of Darkest Dungeon compared to? I thought any it was other? really good. I thought it was really good. I've got it. I've got it sitting there since Christmas, and I was going to dive. I was going to dive into it, but I went back to Bloodborne again for a little bit. But um... yeah, I, I've beaten everything in Bloodborne except the the final boss of the DLC. I just I haven't gone back to uh, to take him out yet. The was it the something unborn or something like the, that? The or, the orphan of coast. The orphan the of coast. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's pretty tough. It's pretty tough. I I I've seen people online like kill him in like under a minute, and I'm well, like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> it's like Lobos, um, guess... Lobos Junior or something like that who goes in and says, "Okay, I'm just going to punch him in the face." And yeah, they weapons. do it like like barehanded or with no armor or anything, and just do perfect the game. It's kind of silly, um, <laughs> but I mean, my my hunter is like a um, is a uh, tenitrous hunter, and so it you'd think it would work really well against him, but none of the attacks actually stun him out. So that's not good. I, I'm yeah, I'm not very good at dodging yet. <laughs> I, for like like I Maria was the toughest. I had to play like a hundred games to to beat Maria, and uh, no, eventually really? I had to I had to go level up my quick my blood tinge so that I could stun her because my my gun was my blood tinge hadn't been leveled up throughout the entire game up till then. All right, okay. I I was pure strength arcane, and then I I realized like oh I have to stun this boss to be able to win, and so I had to go back and level blood tinge to like thirty or something, and then oh, I could actually man. shoot her and stun her, 
and then I could do the strolls and actually win the game. Nah, but, so uh, there you go. Yeah. There you go. Do you have okay connection with video games? I wasn't going to ask you to start talking about Dark Souls and Bloodborne because <laughs> um, there's a lot of fans of the podcast that are big kind of Dark Souls and Bloodborne fans. So, um, do you then have? Is there a Brad Talton Street Fighter like phrase? For when you're about to go into battle, <laughs> do you know how you get the one? Like? I uh, I don't have any I don't have any particular battle cry now. I, uh, oh, I apologize. I, I I do appreciate some uh, you know some general purpose trash talk when I'm fight, playing a fighting game, but uh, nothing nothing uh, unique with mine. What? I was expecting at least one or two. I was you know. <laughs> um, no, sorry. Um, my usual my usual uh, my usual cry is. Uh, is is all right rematch i think i can beat that this time i'm the kind of i'm i i play i play street fighter the same way i play dark souls and bloodborne if my opponent beats me then i want to play the same match again until i figure out how to deal with that strategy actually win that thing so you just go so we're like you're the kind of the nine eight seven six five all did we want oh 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 then you're picking up the controller again and start the fight i'm always up for rematch you are well we have to think about one i mean i think if anyone's listening to this and if you think that you have the perfect phrase for brad to say before he goes into a match (laughs) then hit us up you know drop us a drop us a quick tweet you know um mine was going to be obviously something about anti-wizards which was going to be that's no magic on you is it something like that (laughs) i see i see Actual nonsense. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just had to ask the question. It popped into my head, and if it pops yeah, into my head, it's, it's you know, great. sometimes it comes. <laughs> I think. I think. I think maybe my my battle cry is this uh, this vision of this guy sitting alone at a bar, going another, <laughs> and knocking <laughs> on the counter because that's that's kind of the way I play fighting games. <laughs> I lose, and I'm like, all right, one more. Just come on, have me over those nuts. Yes, I'm aware that other people have had their hands in them. Yes, I'm aware they've probably not washed their hands after the bathroom. <laughs> but I've got used to the taste, so hand me them over. <laughs> Give me the cashews as well. Come on. <laughs> and do you want any... Was it scampi fries? Do they have that in... <laughs> they don't have that. I don't think they have that much in America. No? no. You're not even... You're bound to have kind of like little pork snacks, though. You know, it's, uh, I mean, bar food is not really a, a big thing over here. We have tapas restaurants, but we don't have, like, like a bar food culture, I think. That's just all, not little bar snacks where you have, because over I mean, in the UK, you, can you, have always, like, you have a cardboard thing, and it has, like, the, these horrible little things in bags, which you you see, you can tell how kind of how intoxicated somebody is by the number of bags of these things they've got through. Oh, uh, Okay. And no, I think it's it's all nachos. It's all nachos out here. In, in oh, Mexico. is it nachos and cheese and <laughs> guacamole and yeah, stuff like and, you that. know all that kind of stuff. Ah, like that's. That, I that's mean, most of our our bars out here are bar restaurants, and so you just it's just whatever you can get as a restaurant appetizer in an American style <laughs> restaurant is what you eat as your bar food. <laughs> is I guess right? Okay. Yeah. Is something like like moving on to? I was going to say you could quite easily take BattleCon. Or pixel tactics potentially into a pub type situation. Would you say that, or would you say mm, you need a little bit more space? Um, 
I would say that um, that we have we have better games for the for the pub scenario. I would definitely bring Exceed over Battlecon to a pub, okay. uh, just because Battlecon has a lot of bits and bobbles. Exceed okay. is all cards. All right. Uh, okay. The game I would bring for sure is Dragon Punch, and that's our little micro game fighting game because you can play that oh, with okay. uh, you play that without a table, so you don't have to put your cards on the bar and. Um, you play it, uh, and it play- takes like five minutes. So it's a little micro game, and you uh, you choose your attack, you mm-hmm. place it in your hand, and then you show it to your opponent, and the two attacks interact in some way, and then they go on cooldown, and one of you takes damage, and some of your cards upgrade when you take damage, and you just try and uh, knock your opponent out before they do the same to you. Uh, so it's simple, the simple kind of fighting game uh, aesthetic, but it uh, you know repurposed for a travel size and for play. You can play this game effectively. Um, after you've been at the pub for a while, which is something you probably couldn't do for Battlecon or Exceed. I don't know, I can imagine that. <laughs> what have you got in your hand? Um, what? <laughs> what hand? <laughs> what are you talking about? Oh, I thought these were just bar thingies. I'm sorry. <laughs> I beat like, you. That's, that's not a coaster, that's my deck. What are you doing? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. The, um... <laughs> But yeah, for me, for me, I'm more of a, uh, I'm, I'm not much of the, uh, the bar crawl type person. I'm more of the, uh, no. the fine dining. My wife is, is a big fine dining person. Oh, has, right. Has so got me into it. So we go around to different restaurants and, uh, and such. And that's our, our, our vacation is mostly visiting restaurants. So what type of game would you take on a fine dining? <laughs> this is the kind of, the ego and Time, time and place. Time, time and place. Time and place. I think that, uh, the, um, I think, I think there's, there's, uh, that's not quite the scenario for a for a board game. No, I've seen people do it, but I wouldn't do it. You just imagine them coming out and say, "What would you like?" So, would you like the Papo Charnoff, nineteen sixty-two? Um, yes, can I have that? And can you move this over because we're about to play Pixel Tactics? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> By okay, yeah. so speaking of Pixel Tactics, because I've been dying to, to to speak to you about Pixel Tactics because it is. <clears throat> I'm a man of a very small brain um, and it takes things to, it takes a couple of times for me to, to understand kind of pixel tactics. Where did you come up with the idea for this? Because I've known people and we, me and Colin spoke about this. We, we spoke about it a long time. Well, not that long ago, maybe about three, four months ago about pixel tactics. And we both think it's fantastic, but the magic guys, the guys that play magic, the couple of guys that we have seen play it haven't liked it as much. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, and and we obviously we took them outside and we slapped them about the head and told them don't to be stupid because it is a fantastic game. But <clears throat> it's one of these games that's really really easy to pick up, and it's one of these games that takes a long time to kind of really, really get to grips with a meta on it. When you were designing it, or when you were thinking about it and putting it together, what were your thoughts behind it? Were you coming from a place of Magic the Gathering plus kind of thing? Or what was your what was your thoughts with that? I think it started out that way. Um, you know, it originally was sort of a, a military civ type game, where yeah. you actually had resources and materials that you were accumulating, and that was what allowed you to play the units. So mm-hmm. you would get like science and you know um, metal and blacksmithing and 
you know, um, all these kinds of different materials and magic, and you would, and then you would be able to upgrade your units or play your units, or, you know, if you played this unit and then he had like four boxes on him, but one box was if you had one magic, and the other box was if you had magic and blacksmithing, and the third box if you had magic and blacksmithing and science. You know, the character would level up accordingly. Mm-hmm. That turned out to be a little too much, and so um, we we looked for. Um, you know, kind of what other sort of tactical games we could get. And um, the front row, back row system of that original Civ game, where you could play as a character as a supporter or as a fighter, um, kind of morphed into the three row system that we have now. And um, and that was sort of the birth of Pixel Tactics. It's most similar to a game called Soul Nomad by Nipponichi Software. Uh-huh. And that is a game where it's in the Disgaea series, or it's in that that same series of, oh, yeah. of heavy yeah, yeah. SRPGs yeah, no, no. that they make. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah. And that uh, in that game, you sort of build these these um, units of guys, and you've instead of fighting like one guy goes and attacks another guy, an entire unit attacks another entire unit, and um, that sort of formed the the kind of core idea of oh well maybe maybe that sort of idea where you know you you build out this unit of nine guys and then they go and and clash another unit, but let's give the player a couple different choices and some cool spells and some like more intense overarching abilities because when you're in a board game and not in a video game, you can make a more complex effect or a more, um, a more wild sort of effect that you can't do in a video game because it requires too much work around. So, um, was it an intention to bring as much analysis paralysis to the table <laughs> as you could possibly? It get? was a it was a big uh, obstacle to bring that down, and I think I think we did a pretty decent job with it because the game was playable and it wasn't always playable. Um, but you know, you you look at a guy and you only need to worry about their top ability if you're in the front row, or you only yeah, need to worry exactly. about well, about two of their ability bars, and you only have three to four guys in your hand, so you've got about six to eight. Um, you know, pieces of information you have to deal with. And so it's it's fairly easy to evaluate from a moment-to-moment standpoint which yeah. play is is my optimal play, or rather, what does each of these plays accomplish for me? And um, and if you if you don't see anything that's that good, then you just take the default draw card action and move yeah. on with life. Yeah, exactly. So it's, uh, <clears throat> I, think it, I think it turned out pretty well um, in that sense. It used to be like you could play your guys anywhere, and then you had to deal with you know, like four slots of the information yeah. every single turn on every single card. Hmm. That was quite a lot. It just worked. I mean, it, as I said, it worked. I don't mean to like, you know, sound like the I love Brad. Here's my T-shirt saying I love Brad and Pixel Tactics. But I mean, if Colin was here, he'd be much worse than me because every time Colin has played me, I've won once or twice. He just he he this suits his mindset. Because he can look at a range of cards and you can actually see it is like Neo looking at the Matrix for the first time. You can see kind of like all the little green lines crossing over his eyes and he knows exactly yeah. what he's meant to be doing. And then he says, right, I'm going to put this card here. And you're like, okay, that does absolutely nothing. Until he's twinned up with a card behind it and he's put in his, like, his insignificant character is kind of like his commander in the middle or whatever, and then you realise mm-hmm. that four moves in, he's just said, right, okay, I've just robbed you of six hit points just like that. And it's... <clears throat> but it, it the cards themselves, just to explain again to people... I mean, and listen, if you're not sure of Pixel Tactics, go back and listen to the episode that we did um, a while ago, because you'll hear Colin absolutely just write a love letter to a game that he has a, an awful lot of time for 
But the idea is, unlike your traditional, even like your Dice Masters or your Magic or Netrunner of this world, rather than your guy, your cards having kind of one set, one set of moves or one kind of power or anything like that, you have like a a 3 by 3 by 3 grip grid, and, and Brad will shout at me if I'm wrong. And depending on where your character goes on the grid, that defines which power you can use. And then you have a captain, and your captain basically, um, you go in the middle, and they have a series of special moves which can have kind of almost an entire game changer kind of going on. Everything from, you know, um, always guaranteeing you get a hit to card you know card effects to boosting the guy in front boosting to the guys to the side and stuff like that and it becomes extremely extremely tactical but at the same time it's very very fun but the one thing i love about it is the artwork now when you were deciding on the artwork was there several kind of changes was there several decisions you went through or it's actually uh it's actually quite the reverse the artwork decided the game Fabio Fontes <laughs> made these sprites on a whim and said, look, Brad, I made these sprites for all the Battlecon characters. And I was like, I can make a game for that. And so it was born, Pixel Tactics. Oh, fantastic. Um, so it, it's ended actually the other way around. It's, one of the, it's probably the only game we've ever made that came from the art. That's pretty um, cool. But yeah, like you're saying with, with Pixel Tactics, the, um, the gameplay, I mean, the, the, the key of the game is this emergent gameplay. You're going to have a hand of cards and you're that you've never seen before and you're going to have to figure out what the most optimal way to use each of these tools is to to defeat your opponent and you're probably going to have some global ability that you've only seen once or twice in all your plays from your captain um, that's, that's the going best to, thing about it that is the yeah, fantastic it changes thing about everything it. it's every, i mean there's you've got all the cards but then every single it's like for people that are listening at home um when a card looks like it's like a playing card if you see a if you see like a king of hearts, whichever way you turn it around, you've got like the king of hearts. But the difference with pixel, pixel tactics, if you turn it one way, the character is a normal character. If you turn it the other way, then the character becomes like this this captain and has a specific kind of special move. And every single character pretty much has a spe- you know, has this ability to become a captain. And that is, you know, that's that's massive. It's huge. It's it's, it's a really, really, it's really, really good fun. Um, in yeah, terms it, of Pixel Tactics, you you've released, you know, expansions. Um, it's also very, very inexpensive for what you get. As well, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's just fifteen dollars for the the base game, which is yeah. uh, is a full deck of cards, and it's uh, you know, we we priced it based on what we. You know what we what we cost to make it. It's pretty pretty cheap game to make, um, and so uh, you know it. Uh, we try we try to to give we try to give good uh, content for the dollar value, and that's true in all of our games. Like in Battlecon, you mm. get uh, you know in Devastation, you get thirty characters and five bosses, and yeah. you know it's this massive like almost uh, Fantasy Flight coffin box size box, and it's only seventy five dollars. Um, but there's really an unlimited amount of gameplay in there um my personal philosophy of board gaming is that uh the gameplay only exists in the space between discovery and mastery and like for example um take like your street fighter you know once you once two players get together and they know all the moves of their character and the opponent's character 
then it's really just a question of reflexes and secret selection and who ate their Wheaties that morning. And yeah, exactly, yeah. You kind of, yeah, The the when the discovery ends and you're on that track to, you know, from, from towards mastery, um, it's kind of, it's, it's like you can see the path. You know where that leads. You're not going to learn anything no. new there. And there's, there's still the thrill of victory and of getting better and of climbing that ladder. And that's, that's a lot of fun, but it's not the kind of fun that a board game, that a board game really delivers. You really want a video game for that kind of mastery experience because you can play it iteratively really quickly. Board games yeah. take a lot longer. And so, yeah. So with building our games, I try and focus on the discovery experience and I try and make it so that each game, each deal, each loadout is going to present a completely new experience to the players, something that they've never played before and that they're going to have to figure out as they play. And that's why yeah. we have all the crazy variants in battle combat. No, I mean, I can't, all I mean, the different leaders and pixel tactics. Yeah. No, I mean the funniest thing, well, not the funniest thing because Colin didn't laugh at the time, but <laughs> the funniest thing that happened was that, and he, he said this as well, um, and he's still quite bitter about it and hasn't spoken to the guy for some time, but he played a guy called Liam and Liam who had been play who had played magic a lot and he played a lot of card games. This was the first time that he picked up pixel tactics and Liam beat him consistently again and again and again and Colin was not happy at this but this is somebody that's experienced in the meta and how everything can work in pixel tactics and somebody coming along who's got an experience of card games and just picking up and going right boom take that um I did laugh I must admit but you know you've got to you got to do the, you got to do these things what's in the What's in the future for Pixel Tactics then? I mean, I've seen um, Mega yeah. Man. Mega Man Pixel Tactics is our next uh, big thing. And we're going to be looking for more of these like licensed editions for Pixel Tactics that we can do. So we can uh, expand our repertoire of characters without um, you know making everything our own property. So yeah. Mega Man Pixel Tactics is going to be coming out probably March, February. I don't know. I'm not in okay. control of the production of that one. That one's in the hands of Jasco Games. Yes, but yes. Um, but that's but that's the next big thing coming out for Pixel Tactics, and then the next next big thing, um, which will also probably be February March, is going to be Pixel Tactics Online, and that's going to be no. uh, PvP and PVE. Like you can play campaigns against the story, like the story mode of the game, um, to collect cards, and that's going to be a lot of fun. So Pixel Tactics Online is coming out. Fabio's doing the animations and art for that right now, and they're super cool. They're really they're looking really cool, and you can find see a couple of them on our Twitter and Tumblr account or on Fabio's DeviantArt account. Uh, absolutely fantastic! I take it is Mega Man <clears throat> coming to the UK? Um, so it's a little bit complicated. Uh, so uh, with when you license a property like that, you have to buy the license for each different region. Yes. Um, and uh, so the Europe region was not uh, Jasco didn't buy the Europe region for various oh, right. okay. regions. Okay. Um, which means that they can't sell into Europe, uh, but they can sell to distributors, and then the distributors can sell into Europe. So you'll get it at like tier two or tier three of the supply chain, which you do already. The yeah, only okay. thing is that people people in Europe will not be able to order from Jasco Games' own online store. Which you right. probably don't want to do anyway because it's full MSRP and they primarily are in the business of selling to retailers, not to consumers. Yeah. So, okay. okay. But yes, your, your cool stuff, your Spiral Galaxy, you know, whatever yes. your online retailer is over there, they yeah. are going to have Mega Man Pixel Tactics. Yes. 
that's kind of made me grin. <laughs> that's made me grin a lot. Um, but the um, the online game, that is very, very interesting. Because, I mean, it's kind of weird you talking about, you know, you went to college. You it's kind of come full a, circle, yeah. <laughs> you kind of, you know, the circle is complete. Yeah, it's it's um, really it's really gorgeous. Oh man, I can't tell you how cool this game looks. You just got to go see the screenshots. Are you excited? Uh, I mean, are you really? really I mean, we'll put links in. You know, we'll put the links into the the, the um into the show notes so we have notes to show. Um, but yeah, I mean, anything else? I mean, just uh, ping it over to me, and I shall make sure that the good people who are listening to us um will have plenty to see. But I mean, are you kind of like, hmm? I've got to have a really interesting career so far and now I've kind of gone back and I'm actually starting to make kind of video games has that kind of made you think well I could continue with both now I mean when I think you're... it's I think it's important to do both um because video games bring people to tabletop and the tabletop hmm. bring people to the video games and you also want to be um you'll want to, you want to have some stability and the more diversified your your business portfolio is the better and this is one yeah. of the things I've learned with uh you know, like last year we uh, we had a or not last year it's been two years now we had a big issue where um, Pixel Tactics and BattleCon got held at port, and so we didn't have our two biggest products in sh- on on store shelves for like four or five months, oh and so goodness. for four or five months we just didn't make money, and that was like you can't do awful. that in business you can't just no. close your door um, no. for that long. So um, was that uh, health and we, safety checks that they're doing and stuff like that, or was that just it just uh, got I think out? it was it was just some. Uh, some negligence on the part of the factory producing it. Oh my goodness! Um, some miscommunication with the printer, and um, but but anyway, but if we had you know video games driving income at that time, we would have been a lot better off. And yeah, you so, would have just been here. You go. Let's put this on there, and people could have lapped it up without the without yeah, the distribution. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's still not it's still not great when your product is delayed, but no. at least you have other things coming in, and so and so that's kind of what we want to do is to you know keep ourselves insured against you know, against the future and also bring games to people in whatever medium they prefer. Mm-hmm. So I'd love to do some comic books um, after I get done with all of the, <laughs> after I, after the video games pan out, um, we'd love to do some comic books. And uh, this is when you say like, hi, I, I'm, I'm Brad Tolton and I sleep for three hours. A, I sleep for three hours a week. <laughs> I, I get a, I get a full night's sleep, but I do, I do occasionally work in my sleep. So do you, I mean, have you ever come up with something and going, this is it. It's farmyard oh, yeah. animals. <laughs> oh yeah! If you if you go to you go to sleep thinking about your current project and you you wake up with new ideas, it's a it's a, quite... it's a great thing. Yeah. And and the latest one you talked about was kind of like uh, you're playing a lot of Castlevania. So what's what's have you got a name for that game then? Um, it's called Seventh Cross. That's the name Seventh of Cross. the right, the okay. Exorcist organization that the players are part of. Cool. Um, and you are. Um, it's this kind of alternate history, 1930s um, world, and you are um, uh, agents of this church who go around and fight uh, fight monsters and keep humanity safe. Um, oh, and there's cool. this uh, this dark empire from a thousand years ago that's seeking to revive the um, the age of magic, the dark age. And um, and so you have to basically go through these these uh, these fortresses, these citadels of the old empire, and uh, and fight your way through monsters and unravel the plot um, together with all of your allies. So it's a cooperative, it's partly narrative, partly combat-driven monster oh. hunting um, adventure game. So is it RPG? Is it what? Is it miniatures? Is it 
card. There's uh, there's three ways to play. Um, it has it has um, so you can explore where you are. Um, you just you get a randomized castle that you go through. Uh. Yeah. Um, and some randomized bosses. You can play a scenario where your characters are persistent and your choices matter throughout like multiple stage, multiple games, kind of a soft legacy game where you don't actually damage cards, but you unlock things over time. Okay. And then uh, last way you can play is challenge where you just, you build the best possible character you can and then you take on the toughest possible boss we can build for you and see if you can beat it. Like um, uh, Boss Rush or something like that. Yeah, oh. exactly. And uh, so there's the... The boss rush doesn't, but the scenario and the adventure mode, they have some narrative parts where you explore the castle, you meet some challenges, you meet NPCs, you can interact with them, you can yeah. like fight them. Sometimes okay. they're like you meet an NPC, they offer to like, you know, to give you, I don't know, like give you a new spell or something. And you're like, no, you're clearly evil, and you attack them. And they say, yes, I actually was evil, and they turn into a boss. <laughs> and um and uh and then and you have to fight them or sometimes you're like like uh yeah sure give me a hand and they'll like join your party and give you a new spell or ability or um or they'll say hi you fool i was actually evil and turn into a bigger boss um you know that sort of stuff can happen um, and you know there's all the classic clope tropes you gotta climb up a clock tower you have to you know go into this you know deep underground caverns you know, uh, there are some of your characters are probably evil and will betray you halfway through. You know, uh, all the fun stuff. Just the normal kind of Thursday night at the office type stuff. Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> so when where is that? Um, is that going to be a retail campaign? Is that a Kickstarter campaign? How are you going to get that out to it's the people? It's going to be it's going to be a big game, and we are going to kickstart it later this year. It'll probably release actually next year in 2018. Okay. Um, so, but we're hoping to uh, to have it in a state where it's finished up by the end of this year, and we're just writing the rest of the combat encounters and the rest of the uh, you know rest of the adventure encounters and scenario book and stuff. And we have enough to show people and say this is what the game's going to look like. This is the art and illustrations, and yeah, we've got a blurb of it on our upcoming site, which should be launched by the end of the day or by the end of tomorrow. And, uh, oh and so right, okay, okay. Well, you'll need to um, cross on there. Yeah, ping the ping us the um, the link, and that'll definitely go in the sh- that'll go in really big font in the show notes. Awesome. That's, no, awesome. no, definitely, absolutely. Well, there you go. Um, I didn't real <laughs> I didn't realize you were going to be launching the site. That's um, that's really good timing. Yeah, Probably by the some... time this goes out, the site will be the site will be um, be up and running. So that's even that is really 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 good. Um. In terms, I mean, okay, Kickstarter, because we speak to, and we have spoken to various different people in the past about um, about the Kickstarter, is <clears throat> is it the preferred method for you at the I think, moment? I mean, I think you have to look at the, you know, the, the, the game that you're trying to make and what yeah. Kickstarter will bring to that. Um, we are... Um, we've traditionally been doing um, a couple Kickstarters a year, and I think we're going to probably slow that down a little bit because um, we want to make a lot of games, um, we, but we have a lot of small box games. We don't need to Kickstart every single thing we make. We no. can just print things. And so we want to go to Kickstarter when it's a really big game and it's something that our fans can add to by contributing to the project. So if we have like stretch goals that we can add to a game, if we have you know things that we could include via backer poll, or um, that sort of thing, or if the mm-hmm. game is just too expensive for us to print out right, then we would want to go to Kickstarter with it. But if it's something you know, like a small box game, like the next Pixel Tactics, 
we mm. probably would not want to uh, to do a full Kickstarter for that. Um, no. Yeah. But, uh, but actually, yeah, I mean, the, you've, got, Mega you've Man got a really good fan yeah. base, though, now, I would yeah. have thought. I mean, there's a lot of people that... Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know. And and we do, but we don't... Um, you know, if I put up... Say I put up, like, Pixel Tactics 6, I would say, okay, we need $10,000 to print Pixel Tactics 6. It's $15, um, you know, a pledge. And, um, yeah. you know, we'll throw in five promo cards when you get it. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, like 500 people would do it, and that would be the end of that. And um, or a thousand people do it, and that'd be the end of that. There would be nothing really exciting beyond the product itself that we have to offer. Yeah. But like with Mega Man Pixel Tactics, we had you know the uh, the third box that we were able to offer to all our backers. We had all the promo cards. Um, we eventually got the Star Droids that we were able to offer to backers. <laughs> so we got to do all this really cool extra stuff, and that's what yeah. made it interesting as a Kickstarter project. And I think that unless you have interesting additional offerings that Kickstarter is not uh, the way to go. Or if you, you know, if a game's really huge and we can't afford it, like Millennium Blades was just too big to print without Kickstarter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the, I guess the other side of it as well, if you've got like sources of income and the um, Pixel Tactics Online, if that takes off, uh, when it takes off, more likely, not if, when, is that going to be like your normal kind of free-to-play model are you not releasing those details yet is it going to be like a one-off um, yeah i can tell you about a little bit about it um so yeah, the way it cool, works yeah. is it's uh it's primarily a pve experience so if you've played the hearthstone adventures or if yeah. you've played like uh solo challenges and duelist um you kind of have an idea of how that would would work yeah yeah, um, yeah absolutely the so you start the game you get a free starter deck um and it comes with two leaders and 30 heroes and um and it's constructed so you you build your own deck um, and uh, the you you get an, a, an adventure, and the adventure has like nine different stages. And in each one of those mm. stages, you beat the normal mode, you get a copy of the of a hero, you get a new hero. You beat the advanced mode, you get that stage's leader into your your leader collection. And then if you beat it on you know the challenge mode, then you get either a second copy of the hero or a shiny version of the hero or something like that. And um, Every month or so, we're going to release a new world. So you'll get nine new stages, effectively nine new cards, nine new heroes, nine new leaders that you can get. And then you just pay one or two or three dollars, whatever we, whatever the math, you know, the economy comes out to for yeah, producing those. Yeah, yeah. And you get a new chapter in your game, you get some new cards, and you get a new, you know, a new story mode to play through and adventure. Sounds really, really good fun. Yeah. And when and there is, is this there is PvP. Is... There is PvP and there's rankings and leaderboards and no. every every month well, at the end of the, the rankings. Yeah, the, at the end of the rankings you get like shiny cards and special you can get play maps in this game. So like when your cards go down on the table, your side oh. of the board will look different than the opponent's side of the board. Um you can get, you know, special card backs. You can have characters that do like an alternate animation when they come into play or they sparkle or whatever. Um, so there's a lot of cool vanity stuff you get through the PvP side, um, and I guess I guess with it being the medium that it is, being video video games, <laughs> being mm-hmm. video games, it <laughs> means you can you I know what's that? You can do experiment, you can experiment with stuff and see how it looks, and then not have to I guess run a print run to see how it's going to turn out. You can yeah, like, stick exactly. it out there and, and get some our... feedback from people as well. That's yeah, we cool. can do our testing in house. Cool. Cool. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> people listening tonight, if they have listened, and I mean, your enthusiasm has definitely come across tonight. If people want to keep in contact, if they've like listened tonight and went, "Well, Richard's done as usual," 
but Brad, now there's a guy we need to keep an eye on. How how would people don't because I've heard people talk about me. Um, <clears throat> how would people keep in contact and keep an eye on what yourself and Level Ninety Nine Games are up to? Well, um, you can visit on uh, level99games.com. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at level99games. Uh, you know, tumblr.level99 or level99games.tumblr.com. There's sort of a pattern to these. If you can figure it out, it works on just about um, any social yeah. network that, you, uh, a, <laughs> that you're on. There'll be a prize for the ball. Um, <laughs> you can get. So, yeah, so so come and visit and, you know, follow us. Check out our stuff. Um, you know, if you follow our newsletter, we often send out specials and coupons, especially now that we're launching our new store this year. So yeah, so I saw your last. And, yeah, yeah, I saw your last coupon, and I, I didn't grab it. <laughs> it's it's probably good. They we the, that coupon crashed the site, which is why we're getting a new <laughs> store this year because that coupon <laughs> was so good that yeah, like three thousand people tried to log on and get it, and it crashed the site. I saw that. I saw the full up kind of oops. <laughs> the site went down a bit, guys. You just have to hold on. Yeah. And I was like, mm, I'm probably in. I'm probably in the UK, so it probably wasn't applicable anyway. But I was like, oh, I'll have a look at that later. Well, the, you yeah, do. in the UK, I think the shipping is more than the cost of the of the discount you get. So. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, but yeah, we give out stuff, and sometimes it's a good deal in the UK too. So uh, you, know, you know, it's probably still it's worth worthwhile it. following you on Twitter because you're genuinely enthusiastic about what you're involved. In, and your story as to how you got into the hobby is very, very interesting. And it's really good to hear somebody that's kind of doing kind of exactly what they've been doing since they're about eight years old. I mean, that's very, very cool. Yeah, it's um, and I love to keep in touch with the fans. I, we have a fan community. Um, you know, sometimes people write fan fiction for the games. I've seen fan art. It's all really fun to uh, you know to see what people are doing with the with the stuff we make. I personally am really into like the world building side of things. Um, yeah. I like to make a good board game, but I really like to develop a unique world and uh, cool. and bring and the game is more of a tool to bring people into that world. And so um, with the Battlecon characters, um, you know, the world of Indians and uh, our upcoming, excuse me, our upcoming Seventh Cross World, um, it's really neat to see how people are enjoying those. And so if yeah. you uh, if you want to get in touch with me and talk to me personally, uh, you can do it just as easy as uh, as Richard did, and just contact me on uh, email or Skype or whatever, and we'll chat. Have a chat. Um, if you want to keep a contact on what we do, we are also all over internets as well. If you search for We're Not Wizards, so it's on. You can see us on Twitter at We're Not Wizards. We're on Instagram at We're Not Wizards. We're on Facebook at We're Not Wizards. You can email us, which is magic at We're Not Wizards dot com or dot co dot uk um thank you very very much for your time brad um I've thank you for having me thoroughly enjoy i've thoroughly enjoyed this and it's actually it's really really nice to speak to somebody who's been involved who's basically created a game that you've sat down at the table and played as with you know a lot of the guys that we've spoken to so i really appreciate you taking the time out your day um i've had an awful lot of i've had an awful lot of fun um, the only thing to the only thing to remember is that to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. <laughs> are we no, wizards, Brad? I suppose not. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. So it's a it's a it's a goodbye. For, it's a goodbye from me. Um, I guess you could say something in a fighting thing. Do you know what I mean? Take that, you hat-wearing magic man. And then he <laughs> <rads. laughs>
<laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't have any. I can't follow that. I can't oh, follow that. On. You're, you're in a league of your own with that. <laughs> That's just like, uh, I don't want to make some up. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh man. My name's Brad, and I just kicked your ass bad. <laughs> okay, he said that, not me. I didn't do that voice. <laughs> I just to make that clear for all our listeners out there. <laughs> yeah, the terrible one was me. Uh, <laughs> So it's a, I guess all that's left to say is it's a goodbye. It's a goodbye from both of us. So it's a goodbye from Brad. Goodbye. Have a good night. And, and it's a goodbye from me. Stay safe. Have fun. And fight hard and well. Watch out for those high punches. But until next time, bye bye for now. Bye. Bye bye.